TVO workers go back to work after accepting a new offer. Transit workers in Hamilton give notice for strike date. Companies jacked prices under the cover of inflation. Two missing people from along BC's Highway of Tears prompts communities to call for help in search efforts. And former military government leader of Guinea is back in prison after having been taken out by armed commandos. Good morning. It's Monday, November 6th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. First, we start in Toronto, where TVO workers who have been on strike for months have voted to accept a new collective agreement. They had walked off the job on August 21st. The workers won a 7.7% wage increase over three years. Recall that TVO workers were subject to Ontario's wage freeze legislation and so had their wages capped at 1% increases annually. A 7.7% wage increase isn't a lot, but it's much better than what Ford had given them during the wage freeze period. Their pay is retroactive to 2022, so they'll get a 2.75 increase in back pay, 2.75 increase in pay for 2023, and then 1.75 in 2024. The workers also won the right to re-bargain after 2023, rather than having the agreement extended past for another two years, which is what the government had asked for. About 70 workers are members of the Canadian Media Guild unit. It includes journalists, producers, and education workers. The Canadian press report, as it appeared in CTV News, didn't give many more details than that, other than to say that management had given its quote-unquote final offer at week six of the strike. The workers staying out on strike did force management to move further from what had been their final offer. No word on whether or not Steve Pakin will continue that scab column that he started during the strike now that he can go back to being on the agenda. Now to Hamilton, where workers of the ATU Local 107, that is transit workers, have announced that they will walk off the job at the end of the day on November 8th. If you live in Hamilton and have been looking for ways to connect with other people, now is a great time to start or find a Facebook group for rideshare opportunities in case the ATU and the city cannot reach an agreement before November 8th. The workers have been without a collective agreement since 2022. The unit has about 800 members and is the city's second largest unit. The strike will not impact accessible transit services that are operated by DARTS, which is the name of that service, but also what people call cigarettes, in case you're 23 years old. The city has offered the workers a 3.75 wage increase in year one and then 3% in years two, three, and four. I could not find online what the workers were demanding, and this comes from the city of Hamilton directly. And hey, it's strike season in Quebec as well. Educational workers at my own kids' school walked off the job today, and 65,000 teachers have announced an unlimited strike mandate starting on November 23rd. I'll have lots more to say about strike news in Quebec for you this week, as nurses and other public sector workers are also ready to walk off the job. Next to news from CBC's Pete Evans, who's reporting that companies have been using the cover of inflation to jack their prices even higher. I mean, this is coming from the no kidding department of news. Evans says that while this trend isn't going to surprise anyone who is paying attention to price trends, it is now something he says that the Bank of Canada is, quote, starting to notice, unquote. 
At a parliamentary committee hearing last week, Tiff Macklin, the governor of the Bank of Canada, said that the bank has, quote, noticed a troubling new trend coming out of the corporate sector, unquote. Oh, Tiff, have you discovered anti-capitalism? Are you surprised that corporations are using literally any excuse they can to jack their prices and make more profits? Come on, man. Well, this time, the bank has noticed that the companies are less afraid of losing customers when they jack their prices. In the past, when inputs get more expensive, the Bank of Canada saw more of a reluctance for corporations to hike prices and make more profit. But during a time of high inflation, the companies used that high inflation to hide the fact that they were also jacking their prices higher than usual. Here's what Macklem said, quote, when input prices have gone up, those are getting passed through much more quickly to final goods prices. So households are bearing the full inflationary impact much more. That's what we can see pretty clearly in the data. This, of course, is something that lots of progressive voices have been saying for a long time. While the corporate world blamed high inflation on things like CERB or other pandemic support measures. The Center for Future Work crunched the data and showed that profits have risen at far higher rates than inputs have, underscoring these trends as being related to profit hikes and not just that things are getting more expensive to produce. Where the cost for a unit of labor has increased by just over 10% since 2020, per unit profit has soared by more than 70%. Evans cites a bunch of examples and experts from Europe, one who specifically says that they aren't familiar with what's happening in Canada, which begs the question, were there literally no Canadians available to talk about this? Anyway, and they say that profit-driven inflation is a big problem. One of the reactions to this right now is that companies are offering deep discounts to try and compete with other companies after that period of high profits. But these discounts tend to be passed only on to people who have company loyalty cards. It is something that requires competition, which if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that the Competition Bureau in Canada has flagged that Canadian industries have a shocking and dangerous lack of competition. Canada is a company that loves its monopolies. Evans does talk to a Canadian, though, economist Jim Stanford, who argues that it would be unreasonable to imagine Canadians fighting the trend of profit-driven inflation through their personal choices, as if we could coupon our way out of this, or just use those loyalty cards for the quote-unquote deep discounts. Of course, what doesn't get said in this article is every loyalty card is also a data mining system for the companies. Anyway... Technocapitalism is just awesome. Evans doesn't do what is the natural next step in telling the story. Look at where the workers are in all of this. Rather, he leaves readers just with this per unit labor cost number. But of course, as workers' wages have to cover more and more of these profits, that is driving more and more workers to take action to fight for higher wages and therefore against these profit-driven trends. That's what's happening when someone goes on strike as is evidenced in the previous stories I've just mentioned. Corporate profits and workers' wages are rarely reported together to give Canadians a real look at what's actually happening here. Neither are debt trends and how we have reached record high levels of debts in Canada, including total debt being higher than our literal GDP. That is a wealth transfer from average people to the wealthy. That is why income segmentation is cleaving at the rate that it is with the ultra-rich getting more money and everyone else not. 
These things are all connected. And we could see that mentioned in some of these stories, maybe someday. Maybe once it gets really, really bad, will CBC start actually making those connections for us? Till then, I guess you got to keep listening to Sandy Norm. Next, to BC's Highway of Tears, a 700-kilometer stretch of road in northern British Columbia where at least 40 Indigenous women and girls have gone missing. In the past year, Jay Preston Raphael and Chelsea Amanda Kwa Heron have both gone missing along the highway. They both left from the Saikus First Nation. Raphael was last seen walking from a residence on February 26th, and Kwa was last seen walking from her father's home early morning, October 11th, reports Andrew Kurjata from CBC News. The community is small, just 400 people, and community members are worried about both cases. Chief Priscilla Mueller, along with the group Highway of Tears governing body, has called for help to support search efforts. And finally, Mouassa Dadis Kamara, the former leader of Guinea's military government, has been recaptured and is now back in prison in the capital city of Conakry. He had been taken from prison early morning on Saturday by a heavily armed commando, reports Al Jazeera. Kamara is on trial alongside other officials over a 2009 attack that was carried out on civilians. When Kamara was taken out or smuggled out or escaped, these are the questions swirling around his release, so too were other officials on trial with him. The attack included killing 156 people and raping at least 109 women, which started at a political rally in Conakry on September 28, 2009. Kamara has been charged with murder, sexual violence, torture, abduction and kidnapping. Al Jazeera says that it isn't clear whether or not Kamara wanted to be broken out of prison, but the army says that this event has been an attempt to sabotage new government reforms. The government is currently led by Colonel Mamadi Dumboya, and he took power by force in 2021 when he overthrew President Alpha Conde. The collective of opposition parties called Les Forces Vives de Guinée warned that Dumboya's government is drifting towards dictatorship. Those are your headlines for Monday, November 6th. I'm Nora. Hey, listen, hear my voice, hear my voice, hear my voice. It's not great this morning. Do you know why? I was out way too late at a concert, thanks to a friend of the pod named Dawn. If you are in Atlantic Canada, that is New Brunswick starting tomorrow, and then PEI, Nova Scotia, and Newfoundland, Labrador, Dan Megan is playing a show near you and you should go. I got to go last night. It's really, really great. It's a lot of fun. And if you've been feeling like you need to be in a room full of people and doing some choir things together, there's a lot of collective singing. Check it out. I, uh, I, can't, uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. You're listening to this podcast at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you have a great start to November. I hope you've already paid your rent and I will talk to you tomorrow.